welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And this, this is, is Life, life Pairings. Because life is hard. So pair it with alcohol. And the award for the best person in this category that we've made up and is super important goes to, as today's life pairing is, award shows with Manhattans. We discuss Stir, OJ Simpson, and Bitters, baby. Woo! It's a good one. It's going to be a good one. Carla, we have a guest. We have maybe the most appropriate guest we've ever had. With the most credits pertaining to what we're doing, you guys. Uh, today's guest is a Jimmy uh, Awards. <laughs> oh, <laughs> blew his intro. Blew his own intro. Uh, is the wonderful Harry Dupe. Welcome to the podcast, Harry. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, for those of you who don't know Harry, he's a fantastic stand-up comedian. He's also written for six Juno Awards, six Gemini Awards, three NHL Awards, three Genie Awards. Uh, he himself has won a Canadian Comedy Award for Best Television Writing in 2004 and the Chairman Award at the Canadian Comedy Awards in 2010, as well as about a million other things that we will probably get to throughout the podcast. Awesome. You guys, this is the greatest. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. But by the way, make sure, don't overemphasize those too much. Don't think that they add up to more than they do. The awards, okay. The... The, just the, the awards, awards gen- the writing for the award, like doing working with awards generally. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, I, w- I want to know the Don't behind th- the scenes stuff here. So. Oh yeah, no, that's coming. Okay. Don't worry. Okay, good. I'm just saying. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> think that if you work, if you worked on a bunch of TV things, you live in a big mansion somewhere. Right. Oh, right. That's what you were getting at. Yes. No, I, that's the thing. I'll like tell people, I'll be like, oh, I'll be on TV. They were like, oh my God, are you rich? I'm like, Canadian TV. <laughs> I'm on Canadian television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or they're like, where can I see it on TV? And I'm like, it's sort of on TV. It's on the gem. <laughs> and I have to explain the gem. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys, this is this is a really fun one because it is award season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a very awesome guest. And this is a fun time to talk about what uh, this kind of means to you. Carla, what is it? What does award show season mean to you? Are you a big fan of this sort of a I thing? I used to be obsessed with the entertainment, like the Oscars, the Emmys, all that kind of stuff. Um, and now I hate them. I especially like that side of that, that like it just feels like it's just a bunch of rich people giving each other awards and like slapping them on the back and being like, you're so cute. No, you're so cute. So I just don't it's really. It's a bit of a circle jerk. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it feels like. So, um, yes, I don't really watch them anymore. Sadly. I used to, I used to, as a kid, watch every, everything. It was like a big thing in our mm-hmm. house. Like we'd be like, oh, the, the Oscars is on the, you know, this is on the, 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 the Junos is on the, blah, blah, blah. my parents would get all jazzed up. And even like recently it was mm-hmm. on, but now everything's taped. So you don't have to right. like get as excited as the events coming, we were just kind of sitting in my parents' living room and she, my mom was like, oh, I think I TiVo'd, uh, <laughs> I think I TiVo'd the Grammys. We can fire that on if anybody wants. And we were all like, Ugh. that's probably the we're best in the middle way of to the do game it. Of dominoes. Though, then you can fast forward through. 
Yeah. Um, probably a very different experience uh, for you, Harry. What does uh, award shows mean to you? Uh, well, you know, much like yourselves, they were something that I watched often, mostly music ones. I guess the Oscars, too, because that's, you know, that's such a big one. Mm. But, you know, most of the music things I watched a lot. Growing up? Yes, growing up. All through my formative years, the two main things in my life that I that I absolutely loved were sports and music. And when um, through stand-up, when I got the opportunity to start writing award stuff, when I was writing award shows that I'd watched, you know, about sports and music, that was pretty good. Right. Is that is that something that you thought you would be doing later on in life, writing for these things? Or is it something that no. you were just like, you fell into and then had a great, you enjoyed them when you were young? It was all kind of, cons- or all kind of uh, coincidence. It was kind of coincidence. I mean, it was, uh, you know, serendipitous in a lot of ways. It, it was, a, you know, it was a nice boost, though. It was nice. It was a warm thing to be able to be, you know, not that awards specifically were anything I'd ever shot for being involved with. Right. But, but to be part of something on a large scale that involved the two things that uh, had always brought me so much joy, that was uh, that was a pretty good feeling. Yeah. And, and you fell into it in the way of being a stand-up comedian that they were looking for comedy writers to begin, right? Yeah. Well, what happened was they, um, for whatever reason, you know, most award shows didn't really use comedy writers. You know, like the big American ones used some sort of gag people, but didn't really, right? you know, use many people that had done stand-up. And then there's a guy named Joe Baudelaire. Joe uh, was an American who came to Canada during the Vietnam War, uh, but he uh, went back and forth. He was a writer for Saturday Night Live. He owned a minor league baseball team oh. with uh, Bill Murray and oh, all these other things. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, but he came, but he, when he came back to Canada, he worked on a lot of TV things and developed a lot of TV things. And he's the one who was hired to uh, produce the Gemini Awards when and completely revamped the formula. They stopped. They went from being, you know, here's someone reading something scripted right. and a very matter of fact presentation and this to to really trying to involve the nominees and the celebrities as much as possible, making it as inventive as possible, trying to find different ways to do everything. And uh, people really caught on. It, um, like the TV numbers were really good. Right. And uh, it got good press. And we should say for, we have some international listeners, um, Gemini is the, that's the TV. Yeah, Gemini Gemini doesn't exist anymore. The Gemini was TV, was like Canada's right. Emmys, and the Genies were like you know much less, but Canada's Oscars, right? The film, <laughs> and then you know, the uh, and then was... in latter years, in latter years, other producers drove both of those horribly down the sinkhole, mm. and so they were they were both combined into one, which is now the Canadian Screen Awards. Oh, okay, but like here's here's an example, if I may. Please do. <laughs> the foliage newspaper. is just unbelievable. This is a two-page story in the Globe and Mail, which gives you an idea of what it was like then. And uh, headline, byline, the hot young writing team for Tomorrow Night's Gemini's has produced a feat worthy of Ripley's, an award show that actually makes people laugh. Oh. And later Ooh, in it, the, later in it, the producer of the Emmys, who would come up to be at the Gemini's every year, 
The producer of the Emmy said the Geminis are much more inventive, much more willing to take comedic risks. It's very professionally done, but it all has a kind of freshness and vigor. Oh. So, so that's how it was sort of seen through eyes of, you know, of both the home audience and of people who sort of know what they're talking about. Right. So there, was, <laughs> there, was, there was a brief window. There was a brief window there where it was really a lot of fun. Mm. And in terms of, you know, and when that because I worked for the next producers who, who worked on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And immediately it's like you're trying to come up with ideas. And they're just like, no, 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 just two people come up. Each one says a sentence and that's it. Mm. And you're just like, well, what the hell? Like, what, what are we doing here? We just had this, this big giant fun thing that people watched. Why are we taking away the elements that people like? So is it, is it sort of, um, you know how the golden globes is that or, or was until this year that sucked balls. Um, (laughs) you know how it's like the funner experience it seems like it's the funner thing it's the less seriously taken thing but the the award means just as much is it was it was it like that well you know what if anything i think the award means more because you know once the once the crowd's into going and being excited to see what it is like you know you're excited to go to the gemini's instead of you know i'm nominated and i'll go but i don't think it'll happen to well this is gonna be a really fun show right yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't know that's anymore. I think the, I think the Golden Globes has tried to have that, that spontaneous, little edgy, um, right, to in, involving the crowd a lot, right, kind of thing. But I also think that's partly because they're probably the least relevant of any of the awards. Yeah, but you they know, are like the best. Knows, they're the ones that I enjoy most. What the Hollywood Foreign Press is. Nobody knows anything about it, but, you know, they're international folks and they might fly you somewhere and they put in a good part. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's the TV and the movies part of it. So you got your Brad yeah, Pitt like... next to your Ray Romano. That, that's a... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like, but that's true, though. Like, I mean, it. it and it's more fun to watch for the viewer. I've always thought. Mm-hmm. I've always thought mm-hmm. this is more. Perhaps it, everyone's just as dressed up, but everyone's a little drunk. It's kind of yes. like why Graham Norton is better than Jimmy Fallon. There like- are there are, I can't tell you the thousands of times, instances I should say, not times, but that I've watched um, monologues from the Golden Globes, uh, you know, like online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to see, just to. See, pause and and rewind a bit and just keep looking at the audience reaction scene. <laughs> yeah. And how some people are out of their minds upset by it and oh, others yeah. are laughing their asses off. Yeah. And a little bit of an inside look into the mind of Harry Dupe just uh, as a fun uh <laughs> listener thing. Uh Harry also likes to do this during baseball games, hockey games. Oh. <laughs> you always like to there's yeah if there's some if there's something they go oh what was that I I always want to see it again I want to that's the great thing of being able to you know to rewind Pause. your TV by seven but seconds it, yeah but it's always like an audience thing that you like never would have seen and then it like uh, through you I've fallen in love with the lady who sits behind the uh, back oh, entrance the... Jay's games yeah oh. Jay's game lady yeah from Harry rewinding and saying look at this lady. Look at this lady, and then we. I'm like, you know what? Now she's a staple in my, um, in me enjoying the Wasn't game. Like if it's a home, eighty percent of memes are just things that are happening in the background that uh, nobody I don't know really. If you know this. I produced like ninety percent of the memes. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. You must have a huge house. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, you're a mean start. guy. Do you want to give us a little psychology, Brittany, of the back oh, of the... I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's not great for you, right? Well, I mean, it's fine for you. The thing yeah, is, okay. it's, it's fine for you to watch and enjoy award shows. It's odd the reason we do. Right. I mean, it's... It's the reason we're watching them is basically because we're sad and don't achieve things on our own. <laughs> so we're living vicariously. Who's <laughs> essentially living vicariously um, through people. So I'll read you a little blurb here. This is from Psychology uh, Today. Uh, uh, one of my favorite go-to websites for this uh, because they're great articles and it requires me to do less work. <laughs> um, from Psychology Today, uh, they say, as usual, it's a brain thing. Self-perception in particular, self-esteem is partially determined by evaluating others' opinions of us. Uh, this is because we're a social species. The crowd's opinion of us determines our social rank, which affects everything about us. It goes on a little bit to talk about Spolesky's brilliant work with baboons, but then I was, <laughs> I was like, right. good, that's a long fucking rabbit hole to travel down, which I did. And then I just found out the reason why we need to uh, so much approval is because we have too much time. Oh. Uh, so save yourselves the, tr unless you have a big, uh, uh, you're interested in Spolesky's fucking baboons. I'm, I'm interested to see what level of 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 primate award <laughs> system the apes had. Oh, oh they yeah. ha it's got it's all to do with shit flinging. But <laughs> well, you like again, one that, one poop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one poop that if you get one poop flung at you, that's a good that's good. Oh. Two poop. It's a rating system. It's a 1 to 10 poop flinging rating system. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you think the isn't more that, shit isn't yeah. that isn't that he likes you yeah, yeah. you would think too much poop would be worse mm -hmm. but it's better Ooh. it's it's just it's all upside down in the uh, world of baboons <laughs> so when, <laughs> we, like they're, red when they're giving someone an award what they're really saying is traditionally we would throw shit at you essentially yeah, yeah. i mean but <laughs> in celebration yes but <laughs> in a celebratory shitty but way. But I also feel like all the people in those Golden Globes Oscars do really just want to throw shit at that person that's on the stage. And not in 100%. a friendly way. That if somebody's winning, everybody else is losing. Right. Yeah. So Yeah, I guess that's that's yeah. <laughs> like that's, if there's you know, you know something more to that is and something that I find that you'll find way, way more with Canadian award shows where you know, Canadian award shows are like women's hockey. It's like what we've got. And you can be absolutely the best at it, but right. there's, you know, less people watching it, rightly or wrongly, and it's wrongly. <laughs> but to most, to, to a lot of the people there, like, that's what you've got. And right. so, and so, uh, so if, like, if you've already won and got that recognition, however, however much it'd be, in Canada, jurors and categories very much tend to even if someone was the best actress by far that year if she won the year before they try and give it to someone else right like they just subconsciously right. want to give it to the next person right it's so canadian well and <laughs> i found this even in well even in you know even in just uh competitions because we're it's the nature of it's just sort of the nature of it that there's so few people in Canada that are doing this one thing 
and all eyes are on these people. So the person who gets the wins the uh, competition or award or whatever has to be somebody that they feel not just the best person, but they feel is going to either have the best story or they, they fit in politically with what's happening mm-hmm. or, and I'm like, I've stopped getting my feelings hurt. Cause it's just like, well, you know, even if I was the best, which most often I have not been, but I, at you some are the points best. I have I been, I thought, I thought you paused there. at some points I have been the third best. <laughs> well, that, but it has not been recognized. But so it just it's it's that they're just gonna pick whoever is gonna fit that the look of what they're trying to do. Right. See, another I aspect think. to awards just generally that I don't think the general public understands, like if you're writing on it, is that you absolutely serve way too many masters. Like, say you're writing the Gemini Awards. So there you are in the writers' room, and the producer. Um, you know, goes through all your material and picks what they like and pick what they don't like. And then the head of the network or the network in charge of that, like entertainment or whatever, then that person oversees everything and goes through everything with a fine tooth comb. And then the Academy of Canadian Arts and Television, that's, uh, they are the ones who put it on. And then they have total say in everything too. Oh, so, so you go through all those hoops and you write stuff, right. you write either bits or presentations or maybe a sketch idea or something for a guest. And then that guest and their agent get to go through it all completely too and change it however they want. God. And then the night of the show, some people just, just drop the whole thing and do nothing. And we all know the best <laughs> writing is when there's 17 people that are involved in one thing. Just like all projects, yeah. where you know, and all of them are, and all of, and all of them are, all of them are looking at it from a sense of what's important to them, right? So you can't help but have oh, things yeah. chopped off left and right, and yeah, that's interesting. Well, that like, so not only are award shows for you, like you know, obviously it's not the just the award part of it, but it's like whether your your stuff makes it in, your material makes it into the award show. That adds like another layer. Yes, absolutely. And again, sorry for anybody that's in Britain or India. I think we have some Indian people. It's the the musical, Canadian Music Awards. Yes, it's Canada's versions of the Grammys. Now, in in this instance, though, it actually brings in elements that anyone around the world should know. When you get the Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, you're you're allowed four minutes to speak. And... and, uh, David Foster was getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. The show was in Vancouver at GM Place, where, you know, so it's hometown. Yeah. And, or he's from Victoria, but, you know, hometownish. And Quincy Jones is presenting oh. it to him. Holy and Quincy Because he worked with David Foster a ton. Oh, okay. So now, and David Foster had, as we'd seen the year before, when he was just introducing Celine Dion, he tends to go on a bit. Right. so and the thing is you can't tell the lifetime achievement recipient you know cut your speech man right uh you're like hey flabber labs (laughs) yeah shut her down a notch and the night before after rehearsal david foster came over to me and the jaded shitty writer (laughs) and said and said, hey, you guys, um, John told me, the producer, told me I have four minutes for my speech. Can I read it to you guys and t- and you guys time it? Oh. And we go, sure. 
Sure. So he reads the speech. And now this is without stopping for anything. This is just someone reading something straight through. Right. And it's six minutes. Ah. So it's already two minutes long, not counting applause, not counting anything. We're just like, oh, this is horrible. Like to, to ourselves, like to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, it's already long. And he says, he says, and a moment like this never happens. And it's just absolutely all the greatness of luck in the world coming down, washing down in you once. And he said, hey, will you guys help me shorten it? Aww. Oh, no. And so now we've got this once in a lifetime opportunity. And the other writer goes, don't worry, I'll tell John it's four. Oh, geez. So you so have this great opportunity night, to dive in. So we had the opportunity to act to absolutely work it to where it needed to be. And the next night live, how long do you think it went? Nine minutes. Twelve minutes. Twenty-one minutes. No, that's <laughs> no too way. long for anything. They, you know, you get into it and he's introducing <laughs> every family member who's there and he's talking oh, about God. everyone he ever and it went twenty-one minutes. Do you remember the Moffats? Yes. Okay, the Moffats. Oh, the mm, no, that's Hanson. But but the Canadian version of that. Yeah, well, it was four of them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Four four of them. They were all brothers. And here's the weird part. So there's one who's who's almost a year older, and then there's three triplets, and obviously three triplets. And then and at the time we had them, it was this two week window where all of them were 16 years old. Oh. So anyway, so they've got that. So they've got you know they're like typical of that. They've got an insane, fe- insane young female fan base, right? That the crowd shrieks anytime anyone says "moth" or anything. So they're hosting, they're hosting in two thousand at the Sky Dome. So you're writing stuff that you think will put them in a really good light, but you're also trying to, trying to have them get some laughs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. We gave them the, the first joke I came up with. The first joke I came up with was playing to the whole idea of, you know, they just have female fans. And it was just, uh, yeah, we just want to take a second to play to the misconception that all our fans are female. We just want to take a minute to say to our male fan base, Ray, you're doing a great job. <laughs> kind, of make, kind of making light of the fact that all our fans are female. Stuff was sent over, and there was a meeting with the Moffats and their father and the producer. And then, so the producer comes back. We go, you like, what's the reaction? They go, they loved all the stuff. And we're like, oh, that's fantastic. They go, oh, there was one thing. Um, they didn't like that last joke. Oh. <laughs> because they thought that it's, they thought that it's making fun. Of, and it's like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's no, them. It's, yeah. it's like inside, they're making fun of it, which make which makes them win. And they're like, well, what about if we say, uh, hey, Ray Perkins at our record company, you're doing a great job. And you're like, no, because you're saying it to one guy. Yeah. You're not, you can't, you know. And so the whole time, and again, otherwise they were really keen and they're keen to learn and they want to know about everything live. They did it the proper way in dress rehearsal. So you're all excited. Yeah. And then they thought about it and they thought it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and so, oh. and so live, they closed the monologue with, uh, so we just want to say to our male fan base, Mike, you're doing a great job. Thanks, Mr. Bullard. Oh. And, and you're just like, like, oh, my God. 
you made it so much less funny. Also, yeah. just like I love the intrusion of a father manager. Oh God! You're like already you weren't good enough at anything in your own life. You're managing <laughs> your children's career. Yes. Okay, let me do this one first. This is another long one. Okay. And then I'll get to one okay, word that me. you have no time. Okay. Chelsea, so, I'm going to need another cocktail. <laughs> okay. So the first Junos, and then we should get off the Junos after this because nothing. <laughs> anyway, the first Junos I worked on was the 25th anniversary of the Junos. And so it was a really big event. And um, Anne Murray hosted, as, as makes sense, you know, at that point. And it was the explosion. It's the year that Shania Twain and Alanis Morissette had both just exploded. And, you know, and there's acts from, there's a few acts from the past on. Um, the only real act from the past performing was Gordon Lightfoot, who did If You Could Read My Mind. So you can imagine what the night's like. I mean, you know, and the presenters are like Robbie Robertson and, you know, Ronnie Hawkins and, and uh, the Diamonds and the Crew Cuts and the Four Lads and, you know, tons of people from the past and celebrating right. all the best of everyone now. About three quarters of the way through the show, someone comes running up to me and says, you're one of the writers, right? And I go, yeah. And they go, okay, they figured out it's going to take about 35 seconds longer than planned to, to, to strike Alanis Morissette stage. So we need about a 35-minute 35 um, 35 something for Buffy St. Marie to say as a way to introduce Anne Murray. 35 minutes or 35 seconds? 35 seconds. Okay. And, did I say minutes? You're like, oh, no, this yeah. is I was like, that's a lot of talking. I know, okay, like, so anyway, it's, a, it's so, a foster fiasco all over again. You know, you find someone who's got the seating chart, and it's like, okay, here's where Buffy St. Marie is sitting, you know, as discreetly as you can. Go get Buffy St. Marie out and bring her here. <laughs> and, you know, and you're frantically writing something. You're like, okay, Buffy St. Marie, she was on Sesame Street and those shows. She worked with kids a lot. And uh, I didn't know she was on Sesame Street. Well, one of those. She was like one of those. <laughs> yeah. I think she was on Sesame Street, but. But she was on kids stuff and she'd had a lot to do with kids. And you're just like, okay, well, it's a, it's okay. It's a year where the women are doing great with, um, and, uh, uh, kids. So you sort of get the idea of, you know, when you're young, you need heroes to look up to, you know, try, try, but put it, but put it in the way of, you know, and especially for the girls, because we wanted to play to the girls because they were having the big year, but you, so you put this thing together and I mean, I'm giving you a very rough version of it, you know, it's 30, 35 seconds long and mm -hmm. Buffy St. Marie gets there. And she and and uh, and you go, OK, here's what I have. And she looks at it and she goes, can I change something? And I go, yeah. And she just with a, my pen changes one word. And then it, she's like, OK, oh, that's great. I go, OK. And then a producer comes running and she goes, she goes, no, I think we can do if we just do this. I go, no, I got it. I've already run it over with her. It's all set. And they go, oh, OK. So then you run around, you run around to where the teleprompter person is and you go, OK, you got to load this up right now. Linus Morissette, intro to Anne Murray. And you read it to her and she writes it, you know, and, and, you know, and like right when that's right when that's finishing, Buffy St. Marie walks on stage in front of 17,000 people and talks about, you know, having heroes. Right. It was right. awesome. Yeah. It yeah. Was, that's pretty cool. It was just absolute chaos. And then it turns into one of the greatest moments, you know? Mm-hmm. You you talked a little bit about um, who was the prime minister at the time that um, came in and just uh, you had to change something really quick with him as well. Yeah, it wasn't all that quick. It was, Stephen Harper was prime minister, and what what is now in the NHL, what is now Ted Lindsay Ward, which is the MVP as voted by the players. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be called the Lester B. Pearson Trophy, named after the Canadian prime minister, and Harper was going to present that. I wrote up. Um, you know, a pretty matter of fact 
uh, reading for him. And, uh, and the important, and, and the thing was, you know, since its inception, the Pearson Award's been won by all the greats of the game. You know, uh, Lafleur, Lafleur, Gretzky, Lemieux, so and so, because the award never came into existence till 1971. Right. So you can't say by all the ones greatest in the history of the game, like you know, Howie yeah. Mrenz and Gordy Howe and blah blah blah. And so, and so, um, now here's the weird thing too: the office that I had been using, unbeknownst to me, um, that office was taken over by the prime minister and his people the day oh. when I showed up for work. And the odd part about that is that anyone who phoned my home phone, it was forwarded to that phone. So oh. if the phone rang in what was my office, it would probably be the prime minister answering. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. Now in the meantime, in the meantime, they changed, they, they, they gave me, they said, okay, the prime minister has gone over and there's a few changes. Here's what we have. And there was some, some French, which is great and a great addition. And, you know, just something I couldn't do properly. Um, but it, it doesn't have the line since its inception. Now, Gordy Howe's presenting on the show, too, and he's going to be sitting in the front row. And if you say, since its inception, the award's been won by all the greats of the game, you know, Lafleur, Gretzky, Lemieux, so-and-so, and Gordy fucking Howe's sitting in the front row. Right. Like, you're oh. going you're gonna to slight you're Gordy gonna Howe. You're going to piss him off. Yeah. And you can't slight Gordy Howe. Are you and saying so, that Stephen Harper was going to lie about something to the media? They didn't know. They didn't know any better. So it's mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Right, so <laughs> same with climate so I, change. So it's the morning, and I, I had just seen that, and the other writer and myself are having a meeting with the producer, and the producer's like, "No, everything's good. Like last year, we were going crazy, but no, we're all good." He goes, "Any of you guys got anything?" And I go, I actually just have to talk to the prime minister about scripts a little bit. And he laughs. And I go, no, seriously, I, there's a change that has to be made to the prime minister's script. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay, well, go do that. So oh. go to the office. And so go to, the, go to what was my office. And there's, you know, four security type guys outside. And I go, they go, can I help you? And I go, uh, yeah, I'm the writer. And I need to speak to the prime minister about his, about his, his bit. And they go, hang on a sec. So they go in, he goes in and out he comes with another guy. And the guy goes, uh, can I help you? And I go, yeah, the writer. And I wrote to the prime minister's dialogue and there's an important change that needs to be made to it. Uh, so I, we, just, we need to change the script. And he goes, hang on a second. And a third guy comes out and I explain it to him. And he goes, what's the problem? And I, and I explain it like without, without these three or four words, he's going to be sliding Gordy Howe. Right. So, so it needs to be so it needs to be implicitly stated that since its inception, the award has been, and so, so they said, okay, we'll take care of it. And and when he was rehearsing it, they made sure to stand by me to make sure everything was right. And in a dress rehearsal, they made sure everything was right in the teleprompter and everything. And and they were very diligent about getting that line right after that. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, but in the meantime, that's- I could have. You know, I could have let him look horrible. Yeah, you oh, dude, you, you should have. What are you doing? Yeah, you could. You could. It could have been the end of his career. Yeah, we could have okay. gotten Trudeau in earlier. Okay. No, <laughs> Sorry, I have to go back because I'm now thinking like from a Canadian perspective. Yes. If the prime minister insulted Gordy Howe, like I really think that would be like more than. Uh, the Wee Scandal, more than 
<laughs> like uh what, what did they get done for in her in her in liberals for like you know overspending on their expenses like that i feel would. like it would have been a slight to the ca- canadian the whole all of canada yeah <laughs> but, it would, it would but have taken down. Is, i think it was two years before twitter though oh, oh which see? I, I do have to say like one thing that um that I think award shows really probably benefit quite a bit from is Twitter. Like I don't go on Twitter very often unless it's like something like an award show where it's in a live thing that you can kind of, it's like interacting with other people on it. And yeah, I can't imagine watching an award show without Twitter now. Yeah. Well, that's the funniest thing. Like as well, like there are some things that are just like way funnier now. You're like, oh, this is this is was the response is an immediate reaction. You can kind of dive in to uh, a wider scope of fans and stuff like that and see if they felt the same way you did, which was like also that's also a big thing in the psychology, too, is like just like feeling uh, feeling justified in your choice, like being like, I thought this person was going to win and then that person wins. Yeah, and then you're like, "See, told you." <laughs> <laughs> or so not- like, you know, I read a quote. I think it's from Amy Poehler or something. And it was like, "Actually, losing is is not that bad because everybody comes behind you and says like you should have won and like is actually very yeah. supportive." Which I think is like basically what happens on Twitter. In 1998, 1998 was the 40th anniversary of Willie O'Ree breaking the color barrier in the NHL, right. and. And it was at a time that no one talked about it. Like, I learned about it that year. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I knew that. Yeah. Like, it was, a you know, it was a very much... Because he wasn't a superstar like Jackie Robinson was in baseball. He was a guy from Fredericton who played a few games for the Bruins and, you know, and then otherwise spent most of his career in the minors. But still, he broke the color barrier. And so I suggested to the producers, I said, you know, it's the 40th anniversary of Willie O'Ree breaking the color barrier. And I think we should have him as a presenter on the show. And they go, oh, they go, uh, what would you have him present? And I go, you have him present MVP, the biggest award of the night. And they go, well, you know, it's it's not a big enough thing for that. I go, is is if we tell everyone it is. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, let's tell, let's let everyone know. Jesus, how come no one knows this? Right. Yeah. And they, they still didn't think it was big enough for him to do by himself. But so they paired him with Dave Foley. Dave was still doing news radio at the time, so had higher profile. <laughs> He's just on Superstar this week, and uh, I'm very excited. It was yeah. exciting to see him. Yeah, Brittany was excited too. So anyway, so because he- <laughs> I texted Brittany, I was like, "Dave Bowie's on my show." I may so- <laughs> or may not have called Harry at two o'clock in the morning to tell him that I was excited that Dave Foley was on. I took with um, <laughs> what's his name, Mark um, McKinney. McKinney. McKinney, yeah. and, uh, and Laura Nash. Yeah, and Laura Nash, who's the best person in the whole world. Okay, so so Willie O'Ree presents on the awards, and then later that year, the NHL names him. It's like inner city ambassador, or whatever. And then through the years since then, uh, other things would pay attention to it. And that was another point I made. I said it's a 40th anniversary. He's getting pretty old. You might not have a 50th anniversary. Right. Yeah. And so it was kind of you know let's do it while we can. Now in the meantime, he's still alive. But uh, like this year, he last year he was inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and this year the Boston Bruins retired his jersey. Oh, okay. And there are those who've made the point that until he was on the NHL awards, it was a story that no one paid attention to, and nothing ever came from it. Oh, that's, that's really good. You. Yeah. Um, 
Lena, friend of the pod, Lena actually bought me his book for uh, my birthday this year. Oh, so now you have multi books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have i do so have time <laughs> i have two books actually uh, I here's a fun hockey though aren't they, are they uh, i have a lot of books carla thank you very much <laughs> Sorry, uh, they I are you're reading hockey books i do have right a now. lot of hockey books <laughs> and I when, I, when i was hockey. there she'd make me read them to her so she could sleep oh that is true actually <laughs> i'd call I... harry well i was in the hospital one time well like i just mostly call him when i was drunk but yeah. also i was in the hospital <laughs> one time and i was very sad to be there oh, uh, yeah. and then so i was just like could you just read me hockey stories on the phone <laughs> and he would he would read from oh. hockey books or just tell me facts about hockey yeah. which I'm weird with numbers and things like that. I like things like I just like facts and mm -hmm, numbers. They mm -hmm. calm me because they're just real rooted things. Yeah. So uh, if if you, if I'm ever feeling bad and you don't know how to cheer me up, uh, oh, don't you. call me. But do call Harry and tell him to call me. <laughs> yeah. And read, and and read. read me. Fun. Um, and also, yeah, I get Andy to read me Jane Eyre, and then I just cry through it. <laughs> I like. I also like just being read to. That's such a it soothing is. It's thing. Nice. There's something very yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want I'm to do this right like... now, or I have another good Foley story? Oh, I want to hear a Foley story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can always suck Carla in with a Foley story. Oh, okay. So, and, and again, yeah. the, so these shows have a hierarchy and protocol and all these things, and you don't want to step on toes. I mean, you want to, you want to, as much as you can. Um, in fact, there was one night that I knew someone was winning, and they never showed up for awards, and I was going to call them on the phone to let them know it would be good to show up. And I was at the payphone bank at Cops Coliseum dialing the number and I hung it up because I couldn't do that to the to the uh, what integrity of the awards. Anyway. Because so that's the thing that I wonder about certain award shows. Like, I know, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't Golden. It was like one of the lesser TV show ones or whatever. People's Choice, maybe. And you would notice that only the people that won were there. Okay, here's the story about that. <laughs> Sorry to backtrack. So Helen Hunt was telling the story one time that Helen Hunt, when she was on Mad About You initially, she was, it was I think it was the People's Choice Awards and she was nominated for Best Actress in a, in a comedy. Yeah. And, and uh, the talent coordinators talked to her and they say, yeah, we just want to go over what you want, um, what you want uh, choice on the menu. And she goes, what did they go? Well, there's chicken or fish or steak. And she goes, uh, I'll have the chicken. And the coordinator goes, uh, I'm sorry, Roseanne is having the chicken this year. What? What? And, she, and she's thinking, she goes, uh, oh, okay, well, all the fish then. And so she's thinking, well, that's weird. So she goes to the show, and who wins best actress in the comedy? Roseanne. Roseanne. Oh, so it was like a secret. So the next year, <sighs> the next year she's nominated, and the talent coordinator calls her, and she goes, yeah, we just want to know what you're going to have for food. And Helen Hunt goes, you know, I, I don't even think I'm coming this year. And they go, the chicken is very good this year. <laughs> I like that you it's know, the chicken and not the steak. I got, I, I got the steak part of the. Yeah, I would have said something. I would be like, or I would just fucking blow it. I'd just be like, Helen, the chicken is winning the Oscar. God damn it! I mean, Roseanne <laughs> yeah. is not having the chicken again. <laughs> I just fumble fuck it. But I will uh, I will interject to say this. Ooh. I did actually I won an award here in Calgary. Uh it was a plazzy from ooh. the plaza from uh late night at the plaza oh, for a uh, best comedian in Calgary that year. 
Uh, I'm not even sure anybody else was in the category, but whatever. <laughs> I chalk it up to be a win. Mm-hmm. But they did, they actually called me and they were like, listen, you're going to win this award. So we need you to come because, right. you know, like, like we, if we, we've written all these like things that are going to gear up to you winning and it has to be this specific thing. So if you're not going to win and then the next year I won it again and I hope whoever won it that year isn't listening because what happened was they just called me and they were like, you won it again. And I was like, yay. <laughs> and then they were like, it's on the 19th. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Vancouver on the 19th. And they were like, oh, we'll just have to give it to someone else. That's <laughs> <laughs> like you show up. Yeah. Uh, so okay so Foley so uh, okay and before we go okay so uh, Dave Foley is from Kids in the Hall which is a old uh, well not well old 90s 90s 80s late 80s 90s 90s, skit show in Canada he then went on to do newsroom with Joe Rogan news News radio Radio, sorry with Joe Rogan and and amazing Phil Hartman and a lot of other people can you not say Joe Rogan's name like that knowing that I am a (laughs) fan I know, I'm sorry, I'm trying to attack you. But still, too, like (laughs) Stephen Root and, you know, and Mira Tormey. Okay, so anyway, so Dave Dave was doing news radio at the time. I had the idea of Dave Foley and Frank Schuster from the legendary Canadian comedy team Wayne and Schuster doing something together. Because Dave had had gotten a really good reputation as being a straight man on news radio, and Frank Mm -hmm. Schuster was a legendary straight man in Wayne and Schuster. So the idea of having two straight men together and no one can tell a joke was the idea. So I phoned Dave, go through it. He's going to be in town. I go, love you to do something with the Gemini's. He goes, I don't want to do anything with the Gemini Awards. I go, oh, I wanted to have you and Frank Schuster do something. He goes, oh, I'd love to have Frank. I'd love to do something with Frank. And I go, oh, okay. So Dave's in. Then I walk up one flight to Frank Schuster's office. (laughs) And I go and I go, hey, Frank, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you do something on the Gemini Awards. And he goes, I don't want to do anything from the Gemini Awards. And I go, oh, I wanted you and Dave Foley to do something together. He goes, I'd love to do something with Dave. <laughs> so he goes, what's the idea? And I tell him, it's, well, see, you know, because he's getting such a reputation as a great straight man and, you know, and you. And so the idea is it's, you know, the two straight men together. And he go, and he didn't really, he didn't really wrap his head around it. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, come back to me when you have more to it and stuff and on and on. And, and it's funny because he never really wrapped his head around it until they were on stage. And then once he came off, he goes, oh, what a great idea. Oh, <laughs> he, he got it when it was over. But yeah, and that was Frank Schuster's last TV appearance. Oh, wow. Wow. Interesting. Um, Brittany, because- I'm going to apologize to you. I loved Joe Rogan on news radio. <laughs> Listen. I'm just mad I, and- at him about that stupid guy he had on last month. I, oh yeah, I know. I know you don't like him, and also I, that I don't I was, like him. I just don't think he's doing the right thing with his show. He's a okay, he's fair. a different person now than he was then. Yeah, I I'm a fan of Joe. Rogan. I don't really like his comedy. I'm a big fan of the podcast because he has a lot of different people on. He hmm. allows he allows anybody. He he goes. You want to come on and say your shit? You go ahead. Yeah. He argues them. You know, he argues right. them on every point. He fact checks them on every point, as he does every single guest that he has on. So it's uh, he. I, I think he gets a bad rep for being broy, which I mean right. he is broy. Yeah, I did actually. I am a huge big fan of Andy Kidler, um, and then I yeah. had the privilege of getting to perform with him uh, the last couple of years. And yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I was out for I was out for brunch with him, and uh, uh, he was like he was like oh something about Joe Rogan. I was like hey that's a good podcast, and he was like oh I didn't know I didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. With that, mm. I will phase into the alcohol <laughs> portion of today's show. Uh, mostly because uh, it's that time. Also mm-hmm. because I'm a little drunk. I've had mm-hmm. three of them. So, I'm on my I, third drink, I think. Harry, what number are you on? Are you on your first still? I made a large one, and I'm at the bottom of it. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we we did introduce it at the top of the show, but I'm going to play a little clip for you um, at the recommendation of Harry. I feel like a failure. A failure as a mother, ergo, as a woman and a person. Do you make a drink for failures here at Cheers? Uh, hold on, Phil, what do you drink? so that's from uh that is from freight or from uh cheers uh lilith orders a drink based on the fact that she's a failure uh sam asks who is it phil what he's drinking he says a manhattan then she i'll give you a manhattan which uh who's phil Phil's he's just like a, a random guy. He's the he's, like yeah. white really cool guy with big glasses on the far yeah, side of the okay. bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's like never. He's not like really in a, a ton. No, but he's kind of just in the background always. Yeah, yeah he's like always just kind of there. Like he's not Norm. He's just yeah. you know. He's just because I was like normal not drinking a Manhattan. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, Harry. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you put together the correlation of award shows and the Manhattan for us? Okay, so firstly, based on the fact that so many award shows started in New York and would take place in Midtown Manhattan, and even in more modern years when everything's been in L.A., a lot of that they would still do in New York at the time. So, so many award shows from New York, and still so many, Mm -hmm. are in New York and started there. And again, to the fact that a minimum of 80% of the people who are nominated on these shows lose (laughs) <laughs> and you feel like a failure when you don't win. And so since right. 80% of the people feel like a failure on the night, mm-hmm. on an yeah. award night, I thought it was fitting that the Manhattan be the drink of the evening. Well, that's wonderful. I will uh, tell you guys what is in uh, a Manhattan. And this is, much like award shows, highly disputed. Um, there is, It has changed through the periods of time. Uh, where the origins uh, are disputed, uh, among many other things, about the Manhattan. But uh, typically what goes into a Manhattan is uh, sweet vermouth. It's the red one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Augustina bitters. And the big dispute is uh, whether it is a rye whiskey or if it is bourbon whiskey that goes into the Manhattan. So typically... uh, regardless of what you choose it's a couple a few dashes of bitters it is uh two ounces of rye whiskey or bourbon whiskey and a a third of an ounce of vermouth which a third of an ounce mine said three quarters three yeah yeah three quarters the opposite of a third (laughs) 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 or not even yeah uh so that's that's what goes in there uh i've had mm -hmm. And garnished with a cherry. Ooh. Garnished with or a cherry. The cherry on top. Today. What's that? I saw orange slice as well. See, this is the, the very this classic is, one is, is with jer- the cherry. Yeah. That's it. And some, um, some also want it with orange bitters as well. Mm. So there's all you know, there's all kinds of different So I'm I'm drinking Jack Daniels. That's what I put in mine. Wow. Uh, I went yeah. with I went Crown Royal. Oh nice. Nice. As did Harry. I. 
Yeah, I went Crown Royal. Crown Royal. Crown Royal, nice. Also, I was uh, I was at the I went to the liquor store three different times because <laughs> uh, I got dry vermouth instead of sweet. Oh. Vermouth. I have yeah. bittersweet vermouth. Is that the same thing? Uh, nope. Oh well, that's I don't think okay. so. I don't I'm think so. And I found out you have to stick that in the fridge. Guys, if uh, you're going to make alcohol, do not tell me that you have to put it in the fridge. I don't have room in the fridge for weird, <laughs> like side cocktail-y things. Like, get your shit together. Oh my anyway, god, I can't cool. tell you. And Harry did text me this a few days ago that he was willing to me uh, his his <laughs> the rest of the bitters and vermouth that would be left over. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get rid of that bottle pass- in 30 years. That vermouth bottle. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's honestly like this whole podcast is just me and Carla buying fucking stupid expensive liqueurs and yeah. they just sit in our fridge for a year and then we just try to find another cocktail. That Although, they can well, we are going to do, I think we for our 50th, because we're coming up to our 50th episode, we were going to make our own drink out of the remains. Yeah, like, a, so, you know. Okay, one hint. Once you kind of. Once you put all the things in, light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> will that make it burn less because i feel like it's gonna burn a lot i don't know but aerosmith <laughs> will play in your bar eventually oh okay that's <laughs> uh i will tell you this so the would you guys like the simpsons oh the flaming mo that's oh, right yeah. was it which was uh originally the flaming hober oh if you yeah uh, i think we've we learned tonight that there are all drink recipes are in dispute Oh yeah, they are all in dispute, yeah. and that's probably where they 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 got off on that tangent because it was originally Homer that created it, then Mo stole it, and then got famous by doing it. I will go on to tell you a little bit about the history of the Manhattan. Are you guys pumped about that? Yes, <laughs> always. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from uh, spiritofyork.com this is a pretty awesome website uh, I found a lot of interesting information from here and then also from a pretty cool a uh, YouTube channel called Analytical, which was too much information. I was like halfway in and I was like, I don't need to know how fucking whiskey was made. So I went on to this and I'll read you a little blurb about it. Uh, the right. Manhattan is a classic cocktail of choice for whiskey lovers. This delightful mix of rye or bourbon whiskey, sweet vermouth and bitters has been adored for hundreds of years because of its subtle bitterness and its herbal undertones. Seasoned drinkers are able to pick up on a hint of sweetness uh, from the sweet vermouth and caramel-like aroma from the bourbon if used. Mm. Carla? So yes, you it does have kind of a... Well, it definitely looks like caramel and it smells it, like burning. I don't know. <laughs> looks like caramel. <laughs> smells like, like piss. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> burning, burning. It smells like burning. Not, yeah. Not <laughs> piss. bourbon. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> rye whiskey, however, is the more traditional ingredient, and uh, yeah, and it imparts a distinct spice and a savory taste to this uh, classic cocktail. So, um, it was a lot. So it's, it's pretty pretty interesting the uh, obscure origins of the Manhattan because it, it like there's like anything there's always this like huge big story attached to it, and then you find out you're like. Oh, that there's no possible way that that ever happened. Right. So um, one thing that they said was potential origins of the Manhattan was that in 1880, Dr. Ian Marshall threw a party uh, for uh, Lady Rudolph Churchill, who was the mother of Winston Churchill, Mm -hmm. and made this drink for her. 
at the Manhattan Club in New York. But, right. and everybody has, like, so many people t- will tell you that. Like, oh, did you yeah. know the Manhattan cocktail was made at the Manhattan Club for uh, Lady Rudolph Churchill? But that's not true. She was pregnant. Uh, I don't with... think that would have stopped her, to be honest. Yeah, back then. <laughs> <laughs> different times, man. Lady, Lady Churchill, uh, she was oh. quite the, fr- she, was a, she was actually originally American, I believe. So Really? Yeah, I think so. I, al- so. I also heard that it was invented in 1971 in Manhattan, Kansas. No. <laughs> hold on this is like the springfield dispute um <laughs> i mean kansas no, no. is known for their uh fancy cocktail making yeah and she Absolutely. was actually yeah she wasn't from london england she was from london ontario and she just fucking <laughs> fired down on the train uh <laughs> she wasn't actually churchill's mother that was yeah <laughs> they just called her clean. churchy because she used to panhandle outside the local <laughs> church um it's all mixed up it all gets totally twisted uh, <laughs> uh, no but the thing is is like she was pregnant but not only was she pregnant she was in london so oh right okay yeah she wasn't partying in new york there was just like no uh way that ever happened uh so there was also in 1923 a book entitled valentine's manual of new york presented a more plausible story when it stated that the bartender at new york's hoffman house by the name of William F. Mulhall, recounted during the 1880s that the Manhattan cocktail was invented by a man named Black who kept a place 10 doors down below Houston Street on Broadway. Uh, so it's that that Houston. seems to be... The... Houston? Yes, they pronounce it Houston. Yeah. I mean, they should spell it like, well, wait a minute, they do. Here's a new segment <laughs> of Brittany Learns a New Word. <laughs> um... Car- Carlos uh, has, we have to do, I so many times in this podcast can't read or uh, learn a word that everybody else knows. And we've, so much so that we've turned it into a segment called Brittany Learns a New Word, Harry. Does, does that mm-hmm. surprise you in any way? I'm surprised it's only one. <laughs> I've learned some new words too. We had to put that in. And one That's time true. we both didn't know a word. <laughs> um. Was it graciousness? (laughs) (laughs) No, one time I learned the word accoutrements at Harry's and he was like, you don't know the word accoutrements? I'm like, it's not a word my blue collar family used to describe mustard. Um, (laughs) Okay, so the first ever written mentions of the Manhattan cocktail um, were around the early 1880s. The earliest known written mention of this classic drink was an article published in September of 1882 by the Sunday Morning Herald in Herald in Orland, New York. In the article, both ingredients, whiskey, vermouth, and bitters were all included, as well as the now known name of the drink was mentioned. However, other likely names of the drink were the jockey club cocktail yeah. and the turf club cocktail okay so yeah that's um that's the- a lot older than i thought it would have been oh yeah this is like a very this is like it's it's in all the oldest cocktail it's in like the original bartender's guide mm. it's in it's it's like truly one of the first cocktails in right. american history and i've never had it so this is your first time. You my first time. The cherry was. <laughs> well, you... I broke my cherry and <laughs> I did. I did pop know. my. I popped my. Uh, I popped my Manhattan cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's uh, 
pretty good. Oh, oh, and then also, uh, here's a fun little uh, interesting thing. For the reasoning behind uh, it, there being the um, little bit of difference of people thinking sometimes it's bur- bourbon and sometimes it is whiskey rye, yeah. it's because of prohibition. Right. Um, from 1920, from 18, was it? Yeah, from the 20 to 1920 to 33 during American prohibition, uh, it was, or bourbon became like American whiskey became scarce so canadian whiskey was smuggled into the united states those were the years that every vaudeville act toured canada a lot really yeah like you hear all the stories of oh charlie chaplin played here the marx brothers split all those acts played canada a lot because they would go home stacked to the gills with booze in their thing yeah the marx brothers would bring their babies the marx brothers would bring their babies on tour so when they went back across the border they'd have the babies lying in their little whatever things sitting on top of like 15 bottles of booze thinking that, well, no border guy is going to pick up my kid. Right. Yeah, but it worked that's pretty good. So that's a good use booze. of a baby. That's a good and that's actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, uh, that's where shaking baby syndrome came from. Yeah, they used to shake all the babies out and all the booze would fall out of their diapers. So many babies died that year. Uh, and then uh, it was later attributed to finding out that you cannot shake a baby. Also, yeah fact you cannot shake in manhattan oh are we in like fun- now that was good yeah that was a good transition are we in the fun fact department sure Carla? that's if you're ready for it i'm ready hit me hit me with um, a few fun facts yeah so i guess i mean they yell about this all the time about james bond uh shaking and not stirring his it's involving any clear liquid should be stirred and not shaken um okay. this doesn't look very clear to me but yeah i mean obviously Anything that you shake, the, it's gonna the ice is gonna dilute it and dilute the taste. Yes. So, so I don't know what you so, shake now. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna it. I'm gonna tell you a little secret. I mm. shook my first one and put it over ice because I was like, oh god. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't I wasn't afraid on the hair uh, uh hair growing on balls. I don't have. I was afraid <laughs> that I was gonna develop balls, then grow hair on them based on that first taste. So I fucking fired yeah. some ice cubes in there. Yeah, and then. On my second and third one, yeah. like the lady I am, I just mm-hmm. brought them up to the um, the podcast room, and then I just free poured them. And I got to tell you, by the third one, it was tasting pretty good. <laughs> Funny, that's interesting. Interesting. It must have been your uh, your pouring. I'm just, I'm going to attribute it to my uh, my taste. My I developed a taste for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, some other interesting facts on uh, towards the more uh, award show things. Uh, The most Emmy-nominated person with 87 nominations is Lorne Michaels. He's only won 15. I assume that was all for 30 Rock. Right? (laughs) I don't think he's done anything else. So, are you... Is this a joke you're doing? Yeah, that's that's my joke. I think think he actually won his first Emmy for working on a Lily Tomlin special, maybe. Oh, well, that's nice. That's a good one. Um... SNL has actually received 252 nominations and 62 wins. Wow. Yeah. So, That's a lot. Selling your trophy. Sort of yeah. frowned upon. I think this came up a couple of years ago. Wasn't there a bit of a scandal about celebrities selling their Oscar or some bullshit, whatever. Um, OJ Simpson <laughs> yeah. sold his Heisman trophy, which is the... Harry, you want to... Step in, that's college. That you get that from yeah, college. outstanding player in co- in college football. Right, uh, he sold it, and this seems low. 
for $230,000. I, I mean, they're like, do the blood, is there still blood stains on it? Maybe. Maybe that's what it would have been worth more, probably. Just yep. clean it, dude. Come on. <laughs> um, some other things that, okay, awards you don't want to win. Razzie? There <laughs> there's the Razzie. There's also the Bad Sex in Fiction Award, which I feel like they got to have a lot of people that they got to judge on that one. Um, also the bookseller diagram prize for the oddest title of the year. So here's a couple, uh, goblin proofing one's chicken coop. Okay. Because that's, I guess a problem. And, uh, God's doodle, the life and times of the penis. (laughs) That's a book Uh, I'd read. Yeah. And there's also the Stella Award, which is an award for outrageous and frivolous lawsuits. So it's actually named after that lady that sued McDonald's because her coffee was too hot. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although I heard that that actually was like quite a bad thing, like that that water was actually super, super hot. Oh, yeah. I heard that she had like third degree burns and yeah. then you had to get skin grafts on her legs. Yeah. yeah. So and they were like, you're stupid. And they're like, there's just like no reason coffee should ever be. That no, hard. exactly. So um, I feel like that one's in bad faith. But yeah. So a couple couple awards you don't want to win. Okay, and the Darwin the- Award. And the Darwin well. Award. Yes, that was kind of the that was the sort of main one they were talking about. But yeah, that's where you uh Get an award for dying stupidly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here, here's two things for Carla. First of all, mm. I've confirmed that that Lauren Michaels' first Emmy was for writing the Lily Tomlin special. Oh. Second of all, to your point about how much is an award worth, yeah. that was the headline in the Toronto Star one time. Or Star, yeah, Toronto Star. No, Sun, sorry. Where Jim Slotek wrote the column. And the headline was, how much is a Gemini award worth? Because there had been some controversy in the Academy when Dave Foley <gasps> gave all four of his kids in the hall Geminis to me to raffle off for my uh, auction that I would do every year to raise funds for the fine arts school in Fort Langley. <laughs> and, very complicated about this scandal. I don't know how I feel. Oh my goodness. And, and so, uh, uh, Maria Topolovich, who was the head of the Academy at that point, said that it was an egregious breach of trust and that Dave Foley is no longer a member of the Gemini family. <gasps> Harry. Oh but my next God. year he was willing but next year he was willing to present, so he everything oh, was cool. so that's fine. So it wasn't really I mean, raffling it off for ch- charity is different. Well charity auction. It was charity yeah. auction. But I yeah. would raise I would raise to what was my old junior high school was turned into a fine arts school. And because as a fine arts school, they weren't in the regular funding program, they needed to raise a half million dollars for sound and light for the theater. And so for four years, I would put on benefit shows and charity auctions to raise money for the theater for a fine arts school. And Dave Foley oh. gave me Gemini's to raise money for that. Also a fun tie-in is that um, from we, we're on the Comedy Here Often uh, network mm-hmm. and the original Comedy Here Often podcast and the person uh, who actually produced my comedy album, Kevy uh, from 604 Records, uh, went, to, uh, went to the Langley oh, Fine nice. Arts School. Yeah, Fort Langley Finals. And uh, as did uh, Shirley Gnome, who just was nominated for uh, Juno and is also on the Comedy Here Often logo. Yeah. 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 So it all ties in together. You guys, that was a pretty fun episode. Yeah. A little short. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> a little short. Well, Much thank like you, Harry, for coming on and giving us all this cool information. And the juicy guy track. The tip of the iceberg, ladies. <laughs> My word. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on, Harry. And uh, to the listeners, thank you so much for, for tuning in every week. Uh, as you know, we do this every Thursday. So keep tuning in. Uh, we have a, a, a Patreon have set up. And we have all kinds of fun new episodes on there. Uh, currently, we're pairing Tragically Hip songs, talking about the, the history of the Tragically Hip song and mm-hmm. pairing it with uh, uh, alcohol that we see fit. Yes. Uh, as well, uh, uh, Carla has something uh, she just put out. Carla, do you want to talk about uh, your new thing? Sure. Next week, Monday, the twenty March 29th, my second book is out. It's called Sleep When You're Dead. It's about a... Uh, detective who never sleeps Very and some cool. other sci-fi things so um yeah but you can pre-order it digitally if you would like as well harry do you have anything you want to pull out yeah i want to congratulate you on your book oh thank you <laughs> oh that's very nice yeah uh perfect well once again thanks harry and um we'll see you guys uh next week yeah well thank you carla and thank you Brittany. thank you harry thanks guys <laughs>